Um, a couple of things further just on the gospel communities. Firstly, just a note on the food bank gospel community. So Luke um, articulated that um, there's a specific gospel community forming around the food bank. Um, however, it's slightly different from the others in that whilst there is a specific group of people going to be working on that as a gospel community, also this is an initiative that as a church we are behind and totally for. And um, it's something that everybody here can be involved in and contribute towards and feel excited about. I think it's um, a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to be able to express a very tangible love of Christ to people out there in the community and for them to notice something different and to see the effects that Jesus has on transformed lives. And um, this is a very practical provision to be able to really meet people when there's a very desperate need. And, um, and so there's an opportunity here for everyone just to be, I think, captured by the potential of the food bank. It can be a, an amazing opportunity to be able to um, express Jesus' love to the people around, but also it's something where you can um, invest in in terms of your time and energy. As Luke said, we're going to be looking at holding some food bank Sundays where you can all contribute to um, donating and bringing non-perishable goods. I believe uh, that's the type we want. Um, and you'll hear more about that when we have those specific Sundays. Um, and also we're going to be looking at how you can um, financially contribute to the food bank. Um, it's relatively a small amount, and Rich is going to be talking about that a little bit later, but there's certainly ways in which all of you can join in with this. And I think it's something that if we all got behind, we could uh, just see such amazing fruits very, very quickly. We've, we've had such wonderful testimonies from CAP and seen how that um, facility has been able to really reach out and touch lives and open doors where we wouldn't normally be able to get in. And I think uh, Food Bank is going to be very, very similar where it's just an opportunity to be able to meet the needs of people um, in such a wonderful way. And so I hope you're excited about that. And it's something that all of you, regardless of your gospel community, can get involved with. And we really encourage and want you to be part of that as, a, as part of Revelation Church. Is that good? Good. Um, lastly, we've now launched eight gospel communities, but that is not the end. Um, we as hope that as a church we are continuing to transition into gospel communities. Um, we initially said by the end of the year, and I guess hopefully we're, we're on track for that. However, what we would like is for more vision and more ideas. Um, we've not stopping at eight, so we would encourage those who have not yet joined a gospel community or those that feel particularly um, burdened for a people, a place, or a passion to start praying about it again um, and to come to us if you've got an idea for a gospel community or if something's just, you know, playing on your mind, a particular group of people, like if you want to, you know, you see the elderly every day and your heart just goes out for them or if, you're, if you see, I don't know, people in business and you think, if only we could reach out to those particular people groups and if you've got something that, that God's just put in your heart, then please, please come to us and um, all you need is just that seed. You just need a vision, and then um, people will draw to it. So um, we would really, really encourage people to come forward and to pray about it and, and come and let us know. Um, we're looking earnestly for more gospel communities. Um, also, just on those that have already started, if you've joined one and then, say, for instance, a couple of months later, another gospel community springs up and you think, I would really like to be part of that, you are allowed to move around. Um, we want you to prayerfully consider the one that you've chosen. However, you're not, you know, contracted to stay with them. If if another one comes up that is just, you know, has just got your heart in it, then we are, you know, please, we'd rather that you went for a gospel community that really you could get behind in heart and um, vision. And so join one. That's a good start. Um, 
go and see what's going on in the gospel communities. But um, if you have got an idea for one yourself, come let us know and we would love to hear about it. Does anyone have any questions at all about gospel communities? Seb, yes. Uh, I would, at the moment, come and let us know what gospel community that is, and we will see where it's at in terms of starting. Any other questions? Okay, I'll hand over to Steph. Thank you. Thanks, Si. That's great. So just a little bit of news. and um, so, uh, The first thing is, um, after we've been going about a year and a half as a church, maybe two years, I, I, I had a bit of a burnout. And um, basically what happens is when you start a church plant, because there's no structure really, and so really the, the, the person who's just leading it just sort of does everything. But the problem is, is that as that workload grows, if, you don't, if you're not very good at giving stuff away, suddenly you can find yourself going under. And there came that point, and I said to the guys who were helping lead, then, look, I'm in a bit of trouble here. Um, I'm going under, and uh, I, I, need, I need some stuff to start getting delegated out. The team were fantastic, jumped right in. And really was so amazingly helpful. Um, Richard was particularly helpful in the area of taking on responsibility for noughts to 18s, taking on responsibility for the trustees, taking on responsibility for the finances, and really has been carrying those things in a kind of oversight way for a few years now, um, and then became an elder. Um, and really what we're, what we're starting to find with Rich is that actually he's starting to feel a little bit like I felt, um, all those years ago, his heart, he's, he's a pastor. He loves people. He loves looking after people. He is brilliant at looking after people. I've been at the receiving end of his uh, uh, pastoral care from time to time, and he's just so graced by God. I really want to commend him in that. Um, but I just want to say, we're going to start the process now of trying to separate Rich from some of those responsibilities that that are not eldership, pastoral, just to really be able to release him, to be able to do that. Um, I think that would be best for him, best for the church, and best for people coming through to be able to take on new responsibilities. Now, obviously, Hazel and Lena have taken on the, their deacons for the North Street team, so that's great. But now, just to let you know, we're in the process of just um, shuffling the finance team around and the trustees and just looking, at if we, looking to be able to um, uh, see God raise up people to really take... Um, what the, the role that Richard's been doing, but he's served us absolutely brilliantly and, um, and will go on to serve us with, I'm sure, immense energy as he moves from being more of a generalist to more of a, a specialist in what God's grace and for. So bless you, thank you, we love you, you're a great guy. And um, so, yeah, yeah, he's really yeah, he's good. And Tanika, they were an amazing, amazing pair, those two. They really are. Richard and Tanika, we love you. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, so just to say, we'll, we'll just track with you guys in terms of as things develop. Once we have someone for the finance, teams take Richard's responsibility and the trustees, we'll keep you guys posted so that you don't, at the right point, you stop going to him for that stuff. And you can just go to him and cry on his shoulder, which would just be much better. Um, he loves all that. Okay. So... Plans for the future. There's a few things I want to just chat to you about, things we feel God might be stirring, stuff that's coming up, just get you guys in the loop. Um, the first is to talk about our carol service this year. Um, his, if those of you that were with us last year can remember being in this room. 
uh, full to capacity, 300 people, 300 plus probably to be honest with you, having to turn away people in the corridor, serve the mulled wine in the corridor, just to sort of say, sorry you can't come in, but we do like you, you know, because they t- the, the people who run this place said you can't have any more people in there because of the fire regs. And um, the, the carol service has just grown and grown over the years. It just seems to be grace from God on us with it. And, um, but w- what we're realizing also is that uh, Thursday night is, is, is not great for reaching families. So we're going to do two this year. Um, the first one will be on Thursday night. And that will be on Thursday, I believe, the 8th. Thank you. Thursday, the 8th of December. Um, we could not get this venue... Um, we, th- it was not available for the amount of time we need it. So we're going to House on the Rock. Now, House on the Rock can take 700. So it's a bit of a jump. <laughs> um, it's a similar walk from the tube in terms of James Gregg did some tests from Camden Town to here, walking from Tufnell Park. It's Tufnell Park, different tube station, same line, Tufnell Park to House on the Rock. I think it's a slightly shorter walk. Um, uh, they won't allow us to have any alcohol, so we are looking for our best non-alcoholic mulled wine recipe. We are going to find the best recipe. It will be as close as we can um, to, to the thing. But the, the, the programs will say Christmas drinks because they're at... You guys are one step ahead. James, James and Verity, Greg... Ladies and gentlemen, so, so, so that will be an amazing opportunity. I know many, many of you last year brought many, many people. Um, I'm pretty sure they won't be turned away this year. We've got capacity for 700. Uh, it'd be great to get 500 in there. Wouldn't feel like we're rattling around and any more is a bonus. So let's, let's go for that. Um, get it in your mind. Get it, we're going to have some great leaflets ready so you can, uh, you know, the electronic flyers and all that okay so was that my dip for a minute there uh it got technical um but that's going to be great okay but also on on the following sunday which is the 11th uh, we're gonna we're gonna turn our normal service into a carol service which will help us get loads of families there those of us that have um kind of children it'll be very easy for us to get i think our um, friends with children along to that. It will be similar, but obviously uh, slightly different. But it will be this much, much, a lot of the same things happening. Probably will be slightly later than our normal church service because we need a bit of time to decorate and set up. But that's the plan. Um, if, I would just say this, if you can't manage to get your friends there on the Thursday, but they can get there on the Sunday, it will still be a brilliant event to bring them to. It won't be like singing Old MacDonald the whole time. Do you know, it won't be just totally for everything's for three-year-olds. You know, it's not. It will, be, it will be, have a child-friendly family element to it that it will be totally appropriate to, um, to bring your friends to. So that's, is that called Thursday the 8th and Sunday the 11th? That's how we're going to roll with that. Any questions on those carol services, McCormick? At the normal venue, we'll be meeting in our normal venue on the Sunday, okay? Um, so we'll be able to say, this is where we meet this time every Sunday. It's quite helpful to be able to do that. So, yeah, your friends may love it so much on the Thursday, they might want to come again on the Sunday. They're very, 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 very welcome. Ruth. I do not want you to not come on the Sunday. I would rather you, d- I would rather you came on the Sunday and we couldn't fit you in than you not come on the Sunday and us have... Loads of guests there who there's no one regular to talk to them. 
So please, let's just let's go go great guns Thursday and Sunday all together. Just double whammy, make it happen. Is that cool? Great. Anything else? Okay. Want to just give you a little bit of news on our on our kids' work. Um, we've got an amazing kids team who put on a brilliant kids' work every Sunday, and we've been yeah, kids team. They are good. They are so good. They are good. We've been bur- <laughs> we've been a little bit burdened over the last few months about the uh, amount of kids geographically around the school on a Sunday that could benefit from such brilliant kids' work but aren't getting reached. Also, we're aware that to have an age group of between four and eleven-year-olds is quite—that's quite—that's quite a wide gap in terms of understanding and maturity. So the plan is is that we're going to from January. We're going to split that group. We're going to have a four to seven-year-old group alone. And then we're going to kick off something of, a, uh, of an eight to 12 kids club that will happen at the same time as church, at the same time as normal. But we're going to be putting a lot of investment uh, in, in terms of part of what Thule's doing with her FP. Part, a lot of it is design and stuff on the computer and uh, technical media stuff. Well, half of it. The other, <laughs> the other half... <laughs> sweating the other half the other half is kids outreach um and so she's going to be heading up along with claire robinson's going to be involved i think foxy's got a bit of time he can be involved in any other volunteers come and speak to us but we're going to try and get out on the estates and in the run up to january get to know families and plug this kids club um also for gospel communities that are based in localities we want to encourage you to be thinking about the families that you know who have children between 8 and 12 and start saying, look, let's do an amazing kids club for 8 to 12-year-olds, which is great for our kids and also really evangelistic. And, you know, just for the sake of the kids themselves, because Jesus loves them. But also, by God's grace, we hope to reach families through that as well. Okay, so that's going to launch in January. It's going to be very exciting. We're, gonna, we're looking to recruit a few more workers. We're going to have to obviously develop um, an extra uh, room for the 8 to 12 kids' work. But please pray for us in that, for God to open some amazing doors and help us to reach families who are literally, some of them will be within, you know, two to 400 meters of us every Sunday. And when the gospel's being preached and great fun's being had, but they're not hearing it, that God would give us those. Is that cool? So that's great. Um, the final thing, I- any questions on that? Okay. The final thing's a bit of a dream. Um, when... When I went out to visit uh, Matt Med in Latvia, I was struck by a Christian cafe that we went to. Not to say that the cafe itself was born again, but uh, the, uh, the, cafe was <laughs> the cafe was run by Christians, and was the whole idea was, was that it would, be, it would be for the purpose of the kingdom. And um, it was a great place. It was a really, really good place. It was, it was, um, there was uh, art exhibitions all around on the wall, and uh, the space was perfect. You could imagine... All kinds of things happening there, from uh, um, people just dropping in as a calf to acoustic nights um, to alpha courses. I mean, it really, you thought this thing could, you could just, this is multi-purpose. It's fantastic. And something of a, something just sort of birthed in my spirit a bit, really. Now, a couple of years before that, I sort of thought, wouldn't it be great to have a shop front as a church? And we did a bit of work on it with uh, Mary Pizzi, who was with us then, and she came up with some great ideas. But I just think, in God, probably the timing wasn't right. Then we went to Latvia, I saw this, and I started coming back, talking to some people. A few people started sparking. And, um, and then Adam Martin has been um, doing some uh, research for us. And 
um, it's still at the stage where I'm just wanting to say, guys, will you just pray? Because I don't know for sure, but we think maybe God is stirring us with the idea of um, either, either buying or renting a, a property um, that's in a really great location that we could, I mean, the dream, my dream, if it's possible, would be for it to be able to serve pretty much every gospel community. So if, you know, you could, you could imagine, a, you know, asylum-seeking refugees kind of meal night there. They could run Christianity Explored there. The arts guys could do acoustic nights and exhibitions um, there. I mean, literally, you name it, we could do it. Um, and also... Um, it would be brilliant to be able to use it, maybe, maybe, I don't know, during the afternoons, just a calf, just a really good calf that does really good coffee and, you know, really good food and makes a bit of money as well to be able to finance itself. So it's a dream, but I think it might be a God dream. And I just want to put it out there, really, and say, guys, we'd just love you to be praying about that. And um, sometimes when you speak like this, if the Holy Spirit's in it, he tends to just come and start quickening stuff in people's hearts and people start hearing God and start buzzing with stuff and things start happening much with the gospel communities. We think, we think this is an idea from God that spoke about the concept next week we've got 20 people with God-given ideas. I mean, God, it's what God does. So um, it will be a faith step for us. It, that financially, there would obviously be a faith step in it for us. Um, it would be a faith step on probably every level. Uh, but... If you were to say to me, what would you rather, a great big venue that you could have as your own as a church where you could all gather on a Sunday and praise the Lord or, or a venue where you could do that? I think, well, I think that's probably the more exciting because you can hire a hall anywhere for four hours. But actually to have somewhere where you can use pretty much every day of the week or six days of the week and morning, afternoon and evening would be absolutely amazing. And obviously it just, what it does is as God multiplies the ministries in the church, and you have like a hub for it like that, which is obviously, you know, have a, uh, some sort of cool name, which is kind of not too crazy like Revelation Church Calf, but it kind of it kind of is connected in some way with who we are. You just, I believe you'll begin to see God just joining dots and things, oh, I'm involved in that, but oh, they know that person. That person's got a cousin over there. Oh, yeah, well, their stepdad's in prison. And you, it just it starts coming together. And people start to realize, oh, do you know what? The, this, this, church that we've all of us have kind of laughed about for a few years or kind of thought it's kind of had its day it's really doing stuff and uh, through the church people begin to see christ which is the whole idea right um through the through the bride they begin to catch a glimpse of the glory of the groom and so i just think guys this, this could be from god um that's all we've got dreams and a few ideas and adam's got a powerpoint so that's where we're at um but please pray if you get dreams and visions, God starts speaking about it. Please, please just bring them, share them with us. It will really, really help us. Is that okay? Um, da, 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 da. Any questions on the calf? If it's details, I won't have any answers for you. It's very embryonic. But if it's kind of conceptual, we might be able to help. No, that's fine. That's not surprising. That's absolutely fine. Okay, over to Rich. Richie Rich. All right. All right, good evening. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't think we're doing that just yet. <laughs> too eager, too eager. He's eager with the kids and he's eager with the PowerPoint. Um, now, um, I just wanted to dispel a couple of myths, first of all. Um, one, we are not a social club. 
and two, none of us are volunteers. Actually, each one of us is called by God to be part of his family, to be in this location at this time, to be on mission in North London. Does that excite you? Does that excite you that we've got so many gospel communities starting up and so many more bubbling away that we want to get out there? Does it excite you that we want to get in and amongst the community and serve them and love them the best we can? Yeah. All right. Well, I just want to encourage you, in the same way that we have such enthusiasm and such passion to reach people out there and love and serve them, I want to encourage you to have the same enthusiasm and passion to love and serve one another. There's a huge part of the church that basically is like an engine that just kind of drives the whole thing forward. And so many of you are involved in that. So many of you are a part of that. You know, and so many of you go unnoticed. So many of you go um, unseen. But I just want to say thank you for all of your hard work. I want to say thank you for how you serve. I want to I say thank you for the areas that you serve in. They're numerous. Um, but I just want to encourage you to actually continue doing that. Because so often when you know, things aren't seen and you don't get recognized, it's easy just to kind of sit back and you know, feel like it's not taken for granted. It's not noticed. It's not appreciated. But it totally is. It 100% is. Um, and one of the things that marks a mature church is a church that serves well. Is a church that serves its community well. Is a church that serves one another well. It's a church that serves on a Sunday well. Um, so whether it's lifting boxes, whether it's helping with the kids' work, whether it's doing PA, doing words, whatever it is, a church that serves well is a mature church. And we want to be a mature church, right? We might not have a lot of maturity in years, but we make up for it in the way we serve, the attitude we serve with, um, and the way we do things. I just want to say that serving is a sacrificial, supernatural statement. Do you like that? Three S's. And you like that. It's a sacrificial... Su- you see, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's sacrificial because it takes commitment. It takes giving up something. It takes giving up time. It takes giving up energy, um, sometimes strength if, or muscles if you got them. Um, but it takes, it takes something. It costs something. It's sacrificial. And it's not always the easiest thing to do to decide to serve, um, but we do it. It's supernatural because what it does is it knits us together. As we serve one another, we're knit together as a family. And we become more intimate as we serve on teams together, as we serve one another well. Uh, in terms of turning up on time, in terms of contacting leaders, to contacting teams, um, just doing things with a smile. We do it well, and it's supernatural. God does something in us as a church, as a body, as individuals in a community of loving believers. Um, and thirdly, it's a statement. The Bible says that through the church is the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers, which means, yeah, people might come along on Sundays and see us, but you know what? Hell sees us and shakes Hell sees the way that we serve, and it's fearful because of what God's doing in us. It's a statement, not just to those around us, that we love one another, that we serve one another, that we have just such love and um, sympathy and empathy for one another, and we want to journey with one another. But actually, it's a statement so much bolder than that about the gospel going forward, about building the kingdom here in London. And that's what we're about. So I just want to highlight two areas um, of real service that we need. We're, we're lacking numbers. Um, creche, uh, we're lacking numbers. Um, if you want to get involved with creche, 
um, help him out, look after the kids on a Sunday. Um, then please see Makami. She'd love to get your details, um, get your CRB, get through the process and get you serving on the team. She'd love that to be the case. Um, at the moment, a lot of it is falling to the parents um, when initially we set up the creche to try and help the parents to serve them. So when they come to church, they're not constantly think running after the kids and things or even rugby tackling them like on Sunday. Um, but, you know, we want to serve them well and we want to serve the parents well, we want to serve the kids well. Um, so if you want to get involved with the creche, speak to Makami. Secondly is words. Um, basically, words is often one of those things kind of because you, you sit at the back and uh, you press a few buttons and the, the screen changes. There could be a, like it can often be a little bit sort of like if you make a mistake, then everybody's going to know it was you, and then it'll be bad. And but I just want to say, let's get over it, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not the end of the world, but we need people to serve on words. Um, we need people uh, that that are technically capable. Um, I guess if they have to find songs quickly and stuff like that, then just um, I would say give your name to Rachel Coz, who puts the rotor together and does a fantastic job of it. Yeah. Woo! Then I would say give your name to her. She can get you on the um, rotor, get you serving, um, and that would be great. And it would be great for us. Wouldn't it be great if in a year's time we all matured in our serving, yeah. in the way that we serve, in the way we love one another, in the way we're committed to the body of Christ? Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Brilliant. That's it. <laughs> great. See, he's pastoral, isn't he? He's pastoral. He just told you off and you didn't realize it. Yeah, you see, that's how he does it. No, he did encourage you. But I will say this. I'll be the nasty cop. I'll be the nasty cop now because he's got a nice cop now. You can have a nasty one. There frequently, um, just to say, frequently some of our team leaders are like, oh, team didn't turn up or, or team were just late and no one texted me to let me know. And it's just really hard on them. It's really hard. When you're leading the team and people rock up 15 minutes late as if, no, I didn't even let you know. You just feel a bit, a bit dishonoured. So, I just want to say, guys, please, please do. If you're on something, you know, or even if you say I'm on there but I can't make it, find a replacement. Please, it really helps. Really helps on honouring uh, your team leaders. And and also, just to say, with the with the non glamorous jobs, you know, I know, I know some of them. They've, you know, you think words, you know. But I tell you, without the words, the songs are pretty naff. I mean, it's a good, it's good music. Sorry, it's great music, but you know, <laughs> you, you need a bit of content, you know. So we need to know that we're singing about Jesus and the gospel. So it's actually an amazing job. You're really helping us. So please do, please do sign up. Please don't assume someone else is going to do it. Don't assume. Rich, great talk, Richard. I hope so. No, please think. Can I? Can I? Even if you could do, I could do words one in six. It really would help us. It, we've lost some brilliant people who served consistently, and um, we just need to bring especially people that have not been around so long, we need to bring people through and get serving. Otherwise, it really ends up falling on just a few people and everyone gets really stretched and people have breakdowns. We don't want that. We don't want that. Okay, cool. Um, Adrian and Angela Hoskin, they've had an amazing year. It's been a roller coaster. They want to come and say a few words. Give it up. Okay, um, so, right, if you're, 
<laughs> okay, we, we're the Hoskins, Angela and now Madrin, for, you, for those of you that don't know us. Um, I'm really nervous. I'm going to read this. Um, it takes a few minutes, so just bear with me. Um, okay, so I'm going to tell you a little story, just give you a bit of an update. Um, it all started the day before I was going to give my testimony at a men's breakfast in February this year. I got stomach cramps, went to hospital, and somewhere along the line, my appendix burst um, and had an operation on Valentine's Day. Um, the standard 30-minute operation turned out to be three and a half hours. Uh, they pumped my stomach with gas and washed it, tried to wash out all the poison. Uh, the surgeon later said that um, I almost died on the operating table. In Angie's brilliance um, and in God's grace, she put me onto her private health insurance about three weeks before, and this allowed me to transfer out of the miserable NHS hospital and into a private, and into a, a wonderful private hospital. Um, whilst recovering in hospital, I got an infection deep within the appendix cavity and had to have a sec second operation. Uh, whilst recovering in hospital, I was told that the routine biopsy results of the appendix showed I had cancer in the appendix and the tumor was at something called T4 stage, which wasn't that bad, but it wasn't that good. Um, I was told I would need a right hemicolectomy as the arteries that ran from the appendix to the stomachs had the same blood supply. So basically, that re that, uh, basically the, right, the whole right of the stomach had to go. Um, and that's what happened. So I had a third operation within three weeks of the first one and uh, spent five days in intensive care. Whilst I was there, I went into shock several times and my heart almost stopped um, due to some complications. Spent 31 days in recovery in hospital and my lungs collapsed. Um, whilst there, okay, so we so got out of hospital eventually and started chemo. I thought, well, how hard can chemo be? Uh, you know, I'm quite a tough guy. I thought I could hack it, but um, it turned out that I was actually at the extreme end of the spectrum in terms of side effects. And as a result, started getting sick in the chair whilst they were giving me the infusion. So anyway, so again, um, it, I could got round to the time where I wanted to just thank the church and just thank everybody for their prayers. And behold, the day before, I ended up back in hospital with another infection, another infection and operation number four. This time, the intensive care was even more hardcore. I had oxygen drains coming out of my sides, drips, catheters, cannulas, and I was hooked up to a range of machines and literally couldn't move a muscle. Whilst recovering two weeks later, I got yet another deep infection within my stomach, and this time it was so bad it erupted out of my side by itself without the need of it for an operation. Okay, almost there. So. <laughs> I spent seven weeks in hospital, um, was, was home for three weeks, and yes, again, got another infection and operation number five, with a total of 12 different incisions in my stomach. At the exact same time, I was made redundant, my mother got breast cancer, and my dog died. <laughs> so, however, so this is where it all changes. Um, there was a tremendous amount of good that came from all that chaos. I was able to, through my illness, affect a whole bunch of my friends and family who were amazed at how we coped. We got um, an, an amazing insurance payout, which we didn't think we'd get, which supported me for the eight months that I've been off and has helped us move home. 
and we've been able to bless others uh, with our money and give all the glory to God. But every time I wanted to thank the church, it seems I would just come down the attack. Uh, but here we are now. And uh, and yesterday I got the uh, scan results confirming that there's no more recurrent tumors. Yeah. Thank you. So finally, it's been a long time coming, and I know a lot of you thought, what the hell's going on with these two? <laughs> but I just wanted to say thank you. I wanted to say thank you to our Rev family for all your love and support, the visits in hospital, the food, the text messages, the cards, even the handmade ones, um, with the where a lot of you signed. I can't express in words how grateful and how carried we felt by you through a really rough patch. And amazingly, instead of getting really angry and upset and bitter and twisted, we've blossomed in our walk with God and just wanted to thank you. little bit back down to earth I guess <laughs> don't quite know how to follow that um, guys we love you we really do we really do love you we've loved we, we've loved journeying with you we really have and we're so excited uh, to journey with you further um, and see you go from strength to strength see you blossom even further see you grow in God um, and bless us and Equally as we bless you, we've, we've loved you being a part of us and we'll continue to love you being a part of us um, as part of the church family. We love you guys, we really do. I just want to say that um, in front of everybody, you know, because it's really not been an easy year or so. Um, and I know a lot of the guys in the church um, have, you know, committed to you. And I know, and I just know that you've received that and you've loved that. And we just want to say that we love you guys, we really do. All right, brilliant. All right, moving on. So, finances. Come on. <laughs> All right. So, my PowerPoint's not up yet. And now it's gone off. Whee. All right, there we are. So, this is the Rev Finances, September 11. Okay, um, so I've just got a few slides. Um, but I just want to say, um, as well as serving... Um, a part of maturity as a church is the way that we give. Um, it's very easy. Um, I know I did growing up. Um, didn't really think much of giving. Uh, I guess I just left it kind of to my parents or um, people around me who I thought were far better uh, equipped and blessed by God to be able to do that. Um, but I just want to say right from the outset that giving is is, is something we passionately believe in. Um, we believe in giving our all to God. We believe in laying down what God's provided for us, stewarding what he's given us uh, in an appropriate way um, to see his kingdom come, to bless others, um, to bless those around us, um, and just, yeah, really advance the gospel. Um, and so I just want to say that right at the outset, because a lot of you may be thinking, you know, like giving, what's, you know, what's, what's the deal with all of that? I just want to say it's massive. It's massive because it demonstrates a heart attitude. The way that you steward your finances, the way you um, organize your life, it, it 
it matters and it demonstrates something to God in terms of maturity and, and wisdom that he's given you and the way you steward that. Okay, so first slide. Boom. Okay, so this is, this, is, this is what we've got. This is an income versus expenses over the last year or so. You can see a spike there, um, and that's May right there, the huge spike, uh, where we had loads coming in and loads going out. Uh, basically, that was, that was for the church holiday. Um, so we had loads of money that came in and went out over that month for the two special offerings that we had, and then we paid the balance on a holiday. Um, the rest of it you can see is fairly static. Um, so our expenses tend to tend to come out stat static costs at about ten and a half thousand, um, with about two to three thousand on top of that, um, depending on month and things like that. Um, I just want to say um, this 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 one here includes. Uh, a, an, an estimate from gift aid. Um, so I just wanted to show you this, how much we rely on gift aid uh, in terms of what uh, we can then claim back from the government in terms of the tax that you guys pay uh, out of salaries, out of uh, self-employment, whatever. Um, so Dan, do you want to do the next slide? This is the reality, um, is that our, our raw giving, if you like, without the gift aid, um, actually sits quite consistently below our expenses. Um, I think the next step for us as a church, the next faith step, is to, is to break free of that gift aid grip, if you like. Um, at the moment, we are dependent on gift aid coming back to us, um, which means we are dependent on HMRC. We are dependent on the government um, to, to pay back the tax. Now, yeah, rightly, it's, it's ours because we're a charity and therefore we can claim. Um, but just to say that actually, um, although that is true, um, actually, we don't want to be dependent on them. Um, the, I'm sure you all know, you've read about it over the last couple of years, government's not having a great time, especially the finances and everything that threw it down the pan. Um, so I just want to say, I just want to encourage us, they're, they're the raw figures. Um, we're by no means extravagant as a church, um, but that's, that's the reality. Um, and so if you want to do the next slide, let's look a little bit closer at the income breakdown. Um, so you can see the, the blue ones at the bottom, for, for some reason I've lost all of my legends, but... Um, yeah, not to worry about that. Um, the blue one at the bottom demonstrates our standing orders um, that come in uh, month on month. And then the, the purple one is, is our checks uh, that are paid in. And then the top yellowy, white, creamy, ivory one is the cash that we get on top of that. Um, so the top two make up our Sunday offerings. Um, and then below uh, makes up the monthly transactions that come into the account. You can see that our standing orders make up a bulk of uh, what we receive as a church. Um, so I just thought it would be good to um, just look a little bit in depth at this. Um, so I've done some, uh, I've done some research uh, just kind of from the figures basically um, and looked at kind of how much uh, the giving, uh, particularly from the standing orders, um, contributes to us financially as a church. Um, and what it works out as is it's about um, a quarter of the church give over £100 a month, which basically means there's, there's a smaller percentage of the church carrying a lot of what we do um, and contributing financially, um, commitment-wise, in terms of getting behind it, uh, getting behind the vision. As you've heard, there's so much that we're uh, excited about, and there's so much that we're in faith for, there's so much that we're believing God for with gospel communities, with um, possible dreams of a cafe, um, just all sorts of things. The reality is if we're going to do that, then one of the signs of maturity is giving. Because you see, our, our finances effectively take that faith and put it into action. 
you know, you can't hire a venue without paying the balance. Yeah? It's, it's a reality. Um, so we're in faith that God will provide, and we're in faith that God, by God's will, we will continue and we will see amazing, him do amazing things and provide amazingly for us. Um, but just at the end of the day, we, wa- we want to see growth. We want to see growth financially. Um, I would say we've, we've sat, um, in terms of standing orders and things, we've sat at about between six to 8,000 uh, a month for the last year or two um, fairly consistently. But the reality is, you know, we should be a growing church. We should be moving forward. We should be taking ground. Um, and we should be, we should be growing. Um, but obviously, it's, as you can see from the figures, it's not necessarily uh, quite on the incline that we'd like. Um, coupled with that, we've had some fairly significant people leave um, over the last six months or so. Uh, we've said goodbye. Um, we've blessed people as they've gone. We've sent people. We've done a lot of uh, sending and saying goodbye. Um, and, and, you know, re- reality is a lot of that has um, meant that our giving's dropped uh, month on month. Um, but now, what a perfect opportunity for those that are still here to step up and fill the void, um, to believe God in faith and just reassess, God, what do you want me to give? What, God, what are you um, requiring of me? What are you asking me in terms of stewarding my finances? And how can I serve and commit and bless the church in that way? Um, and so why, uh, oh, I've just lost myself, but that doesn't matter. Okay, so I just want to give you two really practical ways um, in terms of giving. Um, as you've heard about the food bank, we are looking uh, imminently for the food bank to be launched and get things off the ground. Um, the reality is um, we, are, we, we are actively looking for people to uh, contribute financially to that. Um, some of you may be able to give uh, significant sums of money to that. Um, some of you may even just be able to give a few pounds here and there. Um, what I would say is every little counts. With the, well, Tesco said it first, but oh, I hope it's not recording. Guys. Anyway, copyright, whatever. Um, but um, basically, yeah, I mean, all, all the small that you give um, contributes significantly to what we do with the food bank. Um, Luke's looking at all sorts of uh, avenues for um, sourcing food and things like that. Um, but the reality is that in terms of startup cost and things, there's going to be a significant investment there um, to get things off the ground. Um, so, for instance, if you had 100 people each paying £3 a month, you're looking at £300 a month um, over a year. That's 3600 yeah? So you're talking about, you know, just little practical ways that, to be honest, for us is the price of a cup of coffee, but for the reality is it gets a food bank off the ground. You know, I think like they're the, they're, the ta- they're the sort of figures that we're talking. It's not a huge commitment, um, but it is something that we can do practically as a church to commit to what God's called us to, um, especially in regards to launching this food bank. Um, secondly, um, we've taken on Tuli for the year, uh, doing an FP year. Um, it would be great to bless her and support her. Um, as elders, we've decided that we, we, we've asked her not to um, apply for housing benefit. Um, largely because we feel that um, for us to uh, have somebody on board voluntary, um, we don't believe that they should uh, be a drain on resources elsewhere, especially 
facing the reality that communities around us are having all sorts of community projects pulled, having all sorts of funds stopped. Um, you've only got to talk to Foxy to hear about how many are closing. Um, you know, and the reality is in a climate like this, we don't want to be another drain on resources, um, uh, which means that we're in faith for God to provide for her. So we're really in faith that God will provide, um, whether that's through individual members in the church um, or whether that's by other means, we're totally in faith that God will provide um, because the reality is we don't need to be reliant on the government. We don't need to be reliant on outside sources um, to actually invest in what God's doing and what God's called us to here. Um, now, I know there's huge uh, discussions to be had around that, and I'm happy to chat that through with people, all the implications and all of that. That's totally cool. Um, but that's a decision, that's a conviction that um, we as elders have taken. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so there are a couple of... So, Thule, just I, wanna, I just want to flag um, the food bank um, and Thule. Um, Julie's also set up something if you wanted to give directly to her um, through stewardship. She's in the process of going through the application there. So you can give and they can claim the gift they'd back for her um, and support her. So if you wanted to give directly to her, you could do that. If you wanted to give anonymously, um, then please come and uh, see me um, and I can arrange that for you. That's not a problem. Um, other than that, I'm done. Stefan. Oh, no. Let's do questions. Let's do questions. Let's do questions about finances. Seb. I don't think it's so much about saying um, that it would be wrong, in a sense. I think we've done that previously. I think it's I think it's us saying that um, the nation we are in is on its knees, along with a lot of other nations. Um, we have we've asked we want to be a blessing to the nation and to the nations. Um, we've asked and initiated um, for, for Tudy to, to to come and do this and be involved. And so we, we want it to be a blessing in every way to the nation and to the nations and not to be a financial drain. Um, so it's, it's, it's not so much that it would be wrong. Many, many churches do that. We've done it historically. But I think we're saying we want to we stick by some principles which say in order to be a blessing, we don't want to drain the same thing. We, feel, we just feel that that, that dynamic isn't, isn't as helpful as we'd like it to be. We want to be able to... Um, um, support from the church i mean i think it's just a it's not a right or wrong so i wouldn't want to get into an argument or discussion because i don't think it's about who's right and who's wrong i think it's just saying there's a conviction about a certain dynamic we'd like the thing to f to flow as a, as a blessing is that okay That one <laughs> for the for the recording. Change welcome. At the moment, all the money's going into um, the church account. Um, so if you were to make a transaction, then just notify it or send me an email or something, and that. 
that's how we're working it at the moment because um, all the startup costs will come out of the church account. Um, it may be that down the line as it grows um, and as interest and support grows that we then transfer everything to a separate account. But I mean, that, that's questions to be had down the line rather than now. Yep, we just wanted to make it as accessible as possible. Um, so by all means, yeah, up your giving um, and let us know and we can pass that on or contribute that to Thule. Um, but yeah, by all means. Yeah, so 245 um, has been going for a couple of years. Um, 245 is, for those of you that don't know, um, is uh, taken from Acts 245, where the believers ha um, shared everything, had everything in common, um, and gave to each as any had need. Um, it has served um, people over the years, um, largely, largely because a lot of it is um, people that just find themselves struggling um, or find themselves in a bit of a crisis period. Um, and so we, you know, we as, um, there's a few of us in the church that kind of uh, administer that. Um, and so kind of, I just want to say that if, if you are struggling or anything, then do please contact us or contact Gemma, um, who's kind of managing that at the moment. Um, and we'd love, to, we'd love to actually help and support you um, and work things through with you. Um, it's a fairly rigorous process so that we, we can be sure that we are stewarding um, what you guys have contributed to be distributed appropriately and right. Um, but yeah, it's going well. No? Okay. Um, just to say that if you have any... Yeah, no, don't get too excited. Can't have it back yet. Um, just to say, if you do have any questions or anything, um, or you want to pick up standing orders or gift aid forms, um, I'm going to be at the back. Um, I've brought the budget for this year and all sorts of things, so do please come and find me, ask your questions. Um, we want to be as open and honest as and transparent as we can be um, with our finances, um, so do please make use of me at the back. Steph. Just, just to say on that, I, I, about three years ago, I think it was, because when we started, we got a, a grant from New Frontiers, and we were sort of dependent on that. And then there came a point about three years ago where that stopped, and we just had to say, guys, now's one of those times where we've just got to, we've got to step up, and we've stepped up amazingly. Well, this is really, to be honest, is is one of those times. Just want to be honest with you, we probably got about three weeks left on our current income before we go into red. So we've never been in the red. So we've got, to we've got to step up one way or the other. There may be some of you who can up your giving from nothing to something, or you've just, you're flush. You can just up your giving significantly. Great. My hunch is, is that the vast majority uh, of, of us aren't in that situation. So probably the way it's going to work is, is that all of us say, all right, four less coffees a month. And we do it, we do it that way. And all of us just make a few changes here and there, feel the bite a bit, and push through. Um, uh, it's just I, th I think it's just one of those moments, and I'll just ask, ask you to just consider that, really. Um, uh, and, and like I say, it, it could be that you're thinking, well, where does it all go? How? 
pie charts will, will show you the lot and um, any questions you have about that we're just totally open to just answer and want to be accountable Ed Rich will have to explain the detailed mechanics of that because he's been he's been tracking that Rich Yeah, basically. Um, so it's basically uh, we've been we've been more or less break well, like you say, breaking even, um, especially with the gift aid um, estimation. On top of that, um, the reality is um, that that is only an estimation of the gift aid. Um, so we actually fall on a regular basis. Our actual giving falls under that, and then we wait on gift aid to come and then top that up. Um, at the moment, we're waiting on a gift aid claim. At the moment, we've got another one in the pipeline. Um, but obviously HMRC are um, at the moment snowed under, they've been making cuts all over the place, so things have just been delayed and backed up time and time again. Um, so it's, it's at that stage really. Um, pray. <laughs> also just to also say that the gift aid coming back will be about 10 grand. We've pledged 7 grand to New Frontiers at the Brighton Conference that we've yet to pay them. So as soon as the 10 comes in, 7's going out. Um, so it's, it will help a bit. Thanks. <laughs> so pray. <laughs> We're praying. I'm praying. Because only God can provide it for us. Yeah? And we're in faith for him too, yeah? We are fine. <laughs> Brilliant. A couple of other tiny things and we're going to um, have a little treat, a little 10 minute treat. Okay. So we've had about seven, I think seven weddings so far this year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so love is in the air, which is great. And, um, but I just want to just say, say something, in, speak into that a little bit, just for a couple of minutes. And um, it's exciting, the weddings, it's exciting when people get engaged, it's exciting when people start going out, courting, however you want to phrase it. Of course, it's really, really exciting. What we don't want to develop is an environment where if a guy speaks to a girl for more than 30 seconds, everyone starts getting excited and designing invitations, all right? We don't want to do that. And it's starting to happen a little bit. Um, it's kind of it's gossipy. It's kind of a bit immature. And what it does is it creates quite a suffocating environment where you just can't develop healthy friendships without feeling like someone's giggling or someone's saying something or, oh, I saw you, you know, you that is really unhelpful. Yeah? So I just want to say, can we just, like, really be mature about it? Yes, there may be some people in this room who marry someone else in this room one day. Great. All right? But, there may, but what I do hope is that there'll be loads of people that remain friends for life in this room. So can we just create an environment where we're just allowed to just kind of be together and hang out and chat. And if something, uh, something a bit kind of romantic develops on the way, well, great. Yeah, that's, that's fine, that's lovely, and we can all celebrate, can't we? But let's not get into speculation, soap opera mentality. It's just not what we're about. Is that okay? Cool, great, thank you. Um, final thing, many of you remember Dave Mancy's preach on um, uh, the rich man and Lazarus, and um, you couldn't really forget it if you heard it. Um, and... Uh, we, we decided it would be a good idea for, for, for Dave to just 
be able to give some time to writing up some, app, some really helpful applications to clarify some stuff. And even in here, actually, he's even corrected some stuff as he's reflected himself. This is a brilliant little booklet called My Neighbour is Starving, What Should I Do? And um, applications from the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. It's a, a, it's a, it's a, it's a five-minute read. But it's very, very helpful. Um, and so we've got a hundred of these. So Dave, maybe on the way out, you could just be on the door and giving them out. So I would encourage you to take one. And we just want to, when a message of that kind of Im impact level comes, it's important to follow it up and just help us all figure it out. And I've had a read of it. I just want, you, I just want to say that I think it's great, um, you know, wholeheartedly uh, embrace it. It's a great, it's, it's got all the, all the right ingredients in it. It's not heavy or legalistic. Um, I think um, there have been elements of the of the stuff that came in the sermon, particularly the application, have just been revised and reflected on a bit more thoughtfully with a bit more time. I think it's full of grace and yet very very radical. Um, and so this is a, it's a great book. So please get one from Dave on the way out. Um, final thing now, our little uh, treat together is uh, we love to celebrate people's successes and victories and triumphs. I think um, it's a it's a brilliant thing. And um, recently, Joel and McTuna uh, really. Uh, created a film about fatherhood um, and the importance of fatherhood built around some young fathers that McTuna had been working with in Southwark and they just kind of got together and just was feeling the father's heart for this and really poured themselves into it and then it just kind of, well, let, uh, uh, let's let the guys come up here, tell us, they're going to tell us what happened, it's a 40 minute film, we're going to watch a 10 minute short, so they've got a short version, love to hear from you guys, come and tell us about it and then we'll watch it. Cheers. I'm Joel. This is Mactuno, for those who don't know. Um, God really stirred my heart to make this film. I met Mactuno about last year. Um, literally asked him what he did. Um, and he said... <laughs> I said, I work with young fathers in Southwark. <laughs> Sounds like some sort of date or romantic, <laughs> romantic encounter. Um, no, basically... Um, yeah, I work with young fathers in Southwark, fathers under 25, teenage dads. And um, Joel said that he, he was kind of inspired by kind of some of the work I do and some of the stories I was telling him. So he was like, could I film it? Could I document it? And I said, great. So then from there, um, I arranged a public speaking course for some of the young fathers I was working with, some of those who were involved in a, mo in a more kind of intensive way. And two of the dads, Connor and Wilson, ended up going through this public speaking course and also being filmed. So the documentary kind of gives insights into their lives, their kind of life of their children. And um, I think our heart for it was trying to... It's amazing. These guys, they don't, have mo they don't really have role models in terms of fathers, but there's something instinctual implanted in them, um, which is God's heart as a father, that just paternal heart that beats for their children. And I think we wanted to capture that. Um, on camera. Would you say that? Definitely. Um, if we look at kind of society's views on the role of the father as well, um, it's kind of, we don't really give it the, it's like we almost think it's not necessary. We, you know, we praise the single mums and, you know, great, great, they do a great job. Um, this film doesn't seek to undermine that at all, but we're basically, we want to say, you know, the role of the father is, is, is important. Um, I think that comes out in the film. This is, this is basically like an eight minute 10 minute bit, kind of just a shortcut of, of the whole thing. Um.
Oh yeah, so this is this is the cut. It's, it's a little bit rough, but um, this is the cut we put into the film film festival in Peckham, um, and it and it won one best documentary and one best yeah <laughs> <laughs> one one best documentary and best film overall. So pretty hyped. I know God's on this one big time. Um, he's opening a whole load of doors. I'm I'm fresh out of uni. I have got no skills, but God's just blessing it. So it's, it's exciting. Cool. Do you want to watch it? <laughs> Um, like every child does need a father. A father's important. A father is needed to offer much support, much direction. I think it's just like it's always like missing knowing that your dad ain't there. Like you might not necessarily know what it is, but there's always something missing that you can't like that nobody else can um, feel in your heart and all of that. Hello, my name is Wilson, I'm 19. Um, my daughter came to this world on the 16th, on the 10th, 2010. Her name is Ashraya Nevea and I live in Alsbury State. To be honest, I feel for outsiders they might find it difficult, but for people living in this state, you're new to for violence, police, like, at times living in poverty, you're getting used to it, innit? It comes like, comes routine. So it's not been the best place to live in, but it's been alright so far. I'm still alive, so it's been alright so far. Primary school there, just there, South Square, and my secondary school, Wool School, one's located near off Wolf Road, around East Street, otherwise it's off Oakland Road, so it goes quite local, that's good, walking distance, everything. I got it from my father like, for the important years, like, since I was young, like, it's always been there. I remember like, he used to take me carnival since I was young, like, it's always been there, but. Then he left that in 05. He left in 05. That's noticed that like, there's not a lot of dads in the state. I think I met though, I think since that, like, since new people started moving in, new people started moving in like recently, there'd be more families, family units here, but previously it wasn't like that before. And at times people did grow up with their fathers and that, then later on the fathers won't be there. But some fathers that that are around, not all of them are positive role models, some of them are just like crackheads or like drug addicts or alcoholics and so on. At the time when I received that information, I was in the police so in it, so I was upset when I was in the police station then I was happy that from there. But I was also thinking, yeah, uh, if if the case would go wrong, I might miss my child's birth and I might be in prison and that. So that was worrying me, innit? But since that was all cleared all over and that, I was happy since I found out. Some just choose the adapters. There's, there's no father role model. They had to be the old father role model. They had to 
get that stuck into the head there that oh man, they don't, they don't need another man to, to, to like, provide for them or nothing like that. At times, yeah, it does contribute to gangs because they can find security within that gang and most importantly, in my opinion, financial support. Having a mother's love is good, but having a father's love is good as well, so they never had that experience, both sides of love and so on. So this became numb in a way, became numb. The only reason that a father shouldn't be involved with the father's dead, to be honest. My name's Connor, I'm from South East London, I'm 16 year old and my son was born 18th of May 2009, his name is Aidan. I know a lot of people say it like this but like, it's just one of them things you can't describe. Like, it's either so many feelings or it's just that one feeling that you're never going to have like, unless you have a child. Like, never had a feeling like that before. Um, bye. I don't know why he was just saying bye. I don't know. I don't know why. If he wanted me to leave or something like that, but but yeah, no. I think it was bye. Yeah. It'll, it'll run for anything dangerous, stinging nettles. Nothing like a flower. Straight stinging nettles, a dog, anything. So, spend most of my time chasing after him. But as long as he's happy with what he's doing and that, then it doesn't really matter. There's loads of challenges, man. It, like, it's thinking that like, what you should be doing all the time and what you're doing is right, but like, you get to that point where I think I am now that like, I'm happy with what I'm doing and like, think I'm doing my best by him, like, what I do now. Some things are just not as important anymore. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, again, it's not necessarily big things, but just keeping up with music and stuff like that is just not important. Like, you don't spend your time doing such small things like that or in the park running after him, and you know what I mean? That, that, that makes your day worthwhile. Like, you know how much you love him at that point, and then you think to yourself, well, what would I do if he wasn't here? And like, you can't even imagine something like that. So that's when you know that they're really important to you. I, I can survive with seeing him once a week if I know in five, ten years' time that he's going to have everything he wants. Like, it's hard now, but I know when I look back in the future that it'll be a well worth sacrifice. He can achieve what he wants to achieve, and I ain't having him living here for the rest of his life. That's why my plans to move out of areas like this improve his chances. Because that's as simple as it is, living in the wrong area, being the wrong colour in some, some cases, and then that can just mean you're deaf at like 15 and I ain't raising a child to see him die at 15. I'm not an overly religious person but like I really feel that like living in a place like this is just it's not a, it's not a godly place and not a good place to live and I know that's a bad thing to have especially at 17 but that's really what a place like this can do to you and being a kid growing up here like if you can get them out of here that, that should be a number one priority. When you're surrounded by people and they are the only role models are these drug dealers and gang members, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not a big stretch of the imagination to understand why they turn to these people. They can earn money, they can feel safe with these people, which is what a father should be contributing to their child's life. I just hope that um, I'm what he wanted me to be and that I made him happy. Like, that. 
he can look back and call me a role model. Like, because I grew up without a father, so I wasn't able to tell my father that, but I know my father worked hard all his life. And if I can do the same thing and Aiden be proud of me, then that's really all that counts in life. You know what I mean? It's, it's that simple, like, money's another thing, like, where you live is another thing, but if your son's happy with you, your son's proud of you, then to be honest, I could die a happy man. And that's really how, how simple it is to me. Well done. Brilliant and very, very moving. And, um, you know, it just sucks you in, doesn't it? You know, so there's a, I'm sure we'll all like to get hold of the full length one when we can. Well done, guys. We're proud of you. And, um, and well done to many of you out there that are pushing uh, the barriers in these various areas and running with what God, you, you know God has called you to. And well done, those of you that keep pushing through the disappointments and charging on. We're rooting for you. And, um, you know, we're not just here for the short term. We want to see the whole things turned around generationally, don't we? So, you know, let's, let's, let's keep that kind of perseverance and gutsiness to push through. Father, thank you for all that you're doing. Let's think of back <laughs> tonight, starting with the gospel communities and right through to this. And we, we just say, Lord, we thank you so much. And um, we really want to, it says in the Bible that you're bringing many sons to glory and you're bringing many, you want us to come to maturity, Lord. You want us to be mature. And I just pray for all of us as we go, Lord God, we, we would just really find real uh, amazing help from you and your spirit in, um, in finding areas where we can um, put our shoulders together with one another and push forward, Lord God. We thank you. There's only one direction, and it's forward. And we thank you. You've promised you will build your church and that your kingdom will advance. We thank you that we can be involved with you in it covered in uh, mud and blood and guts at times and uh, sweat and tears and all of that, Lord. But I thank you. It's glorious and it's worthwhile. And I thank you deliver us from uh, just pettiness and serving our own little thing. Lord, you call us into something just amazing. I thank you for the joy of being in it together with one another, with great relationships. We just thank you, Lord, for all you're doing among us. And we pray, Lord, keep leading us forward, Jesus. You are a glorious captain and we love following you. So take us forward, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's see it. We're done. Um, and Dave's going to be on the door now with his booklet. So please don't leave without getting hold of one. And um, thanks again for coming. Appreciate your time.